Ben here from Supercoach Insider, joined by a notorious man that likes to follow my bad bets. Um, JD from Fantasy Take TV was just trashing me on the air. Um, how are you tonight? Uh, just warming up for more body blows to come, no doubt. I mean, after <laughs> some of the top 10s I've listened to so far, it's all been very cordial and very friendly, and I hope we can uh, bring some hostile discourse to hey. the conversations. That's Chris's favorite too. It's um, blows on his body. <laughs> um, oh. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I say Powerade. Is that is there vodka in that Powerade? I don't. No, it's a, a, a subtle play on words. I do I'm apologize, um, Chris. Um, well, look, that's I was, one I was way waiting. I was waiting to do my like super coach insider. I barely know it, and we've already gone so far past that. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> if, <laughs> skip the bed if, if the you talk is overrated. we're going through our top ten for each position or line. Today oh, is the wow. top ten midfielders, which is going to be really popular, I believe, because there it is a wide field. You have the the top few of the one twenty pluses, and then it really does thin out with a lot of potential, a lot of talent on people that can push and rival the top 10. Before I move on, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, also all the audio platforms as well, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it, and on the YouTube. JD, where can everyone find you, like you, shout you? Oh, yeah, that was very quick. Um, I'm on YouTube at Jackson Davey, uh, Twitter on the same name. Otherwise, uh, I join the Fantasy Take TV podcast, which you can find on the SuperX George channel uh, and the Fantasy Take TV Twitter. Boom. Oh, I think we the podcast also got uploaded to like Spotify and all that stuff. But look, to be honest, I don't deal with that side, so don't ask. <laughs> YouTube's where it's at, buddy. YouTube's where it's at. Yeah, stick stick to it. That's, that's our bread and butter. Oh, yeah, I see. You don't want us cutting in on your turf, but it's it's okay for the vice versa. I see. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's enough there's enough love to to share and, and show around. And um, uh, no, a rising a rising tide um, floats all boats. So yeah, and you guys have always floated my boat. Oh, bless you. <laughs> We are going greatly appreciated and, and vice versa. And we love actually conversing with a whole bunch of people that we generally talk to throughout the year, but everyone's so busy making content that sometimes we don't get to actually branch out and make enough content with others. So I, I think this has been really popular so far. So I do look forward to um, today. Definitely so, my first my first podcast with someone with a man bun. So I think it's going to be really, <laughs> really positive. <laughs> oh, and um, also joining us is Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, <laughs> wow, M-M. we are going off the rail. All right, uh, so top ten list already. Top ten, JD. Who's first uh, on your top ten list? So who's coming in tenth, the highest averaging player in the midfield? <laughs> who's first on your top yeah? 10? I, know, I was like, I'm throwing uh, myself off ever so, since so, the first comment. So coming in at number ten, I just have to do it. It's going to be Josh Kelly. We're putting him in at number ten. We're going to buy yes. into the bounce back this year. The GWS He's already upset. Back. Leon Cameron in the mud. Now, Ben, I actually think we might have started him the same year where Leon Cameron had him in the half-forward line for like six to seven weeks. The man did everything he could. It was the absolute go to the half-forward line to scratch 95s, 100s each week, kicking game-winning goals. And then, yes, we traded him out. And then, yes, he was a top pod for the rest of the year. 
Um, but Leon Cameron, the wicked witch of the West, is dead, and with it brings new life to uh, what are the like little gremlins that live in? Anyway, um, GWS <laughs> is going to good places this year, and Josh Kelly is going to lead the cross, charge. Cross movie quoted there, like <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Just just follow the wavelength, all right? Josh Kelly's all you need to come back to. I like okay. it. And so I'm guessing we, he saw, doesn't... we saw on the week we saw on the weekends they got a group of four tight knit group. They're going to give them all the CBAs. We've got no Hopper, no Taranto, no Leon Cameron. Kelly's going to be getting sixty percent CBAs, and he's absolutely going to be in the top ten at the end of the year. All right. So what I'm hearing is he is forgiven, and you are proposing somewhat of a rebirth because I do know when he gets a large percentage of CBAs, he averages extremely, extremely well. It's funny you actually posed this, JD, and I would be upset, and I kind of threw it on for a bit of character. He is my 10th highest midfielder this year as well. All is forgiven in Jellytown. Well, it's nothing to forgive for Jelly. Leon Cameron was the one that needs to repent. Josh Kelly now gets a chance to step out on his own and prove what he's made. (laughs) Josh Kelly's mom's Climb into the moon, boys, because I've got him at uh, six. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. I'm on board. And, he, and he's actually in my team now. He's, he's like, yep. I, I'm not sure he can go 36 disposals every week like he just did. But um, the last two years, he's had 49 and 47% CBAs. He will have 65% plus. He's going to be, listed Canelio is the one that's going to be that sort of forward mid switch, which means it's going to be Green and Kelly's midfield 100% of the time. Um, so I love Kelly is a pick. I, I think average. So his body's obviously now the issue because the average is going to be high. I actually have him at about 117, which is would be a career best. I think he's mm-hmm. three times gone about 114. Um, so it would be 117 was his career best in 2019, okay. and then he's awesome. had uh, three other years with like a 114. Yeah, perfect. So uh, wow, he's even done it before, yeah. and I think that he's a better player. He's got a better role. Um, it's Josh Kelly. Like yep. we've, we know what he's like. So yeah, like there's, I don't see there's a reason why he can't average there that high based on what his role is uh, in the team. I just think that the only thing stopping him will be his body. So that's going to be the question mark. But again, what 40 out of 42 games, I know he's had the soft tissues and George will probably harp on about that at some description. There's no way he'd have him in his top 10. Um, oh, <laughs> do have George's rankings and he actually has him at Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is yeah. impressive. Now, uh, just so, Chris, I know you fancy yourself as a bit of a stats man, but I thought I'd bring some heat myself. We can go Ooh. blow for blow here. So last year, <laughs> 60% plus CBAs, Josh Kelly went 114 on six games. And in games where he had less than 40% CBAs, that was seven games, he had a 92 average. That kind of shows the starkness, yep. the contrast between when Jelly's on the ball getting those CBAs and when he's been pushed out to one of those wing half-forward roles. So yeah. Yes, I mean, if we're not seeing CBAs early, this is going to be a pick that we jump off quick, uh, but yep. he's also in my team for now. Yeah, I mean, the, the danger for me in my team is that he also really fits a nice little niche and that I have like 582K and $800 or something like that. So it's like, <laughs> he's like also like the perfect pick. Um, but yeah, so it could be a little bit of optimism spr- sprinkled in there. Um, there is definitely a correlation between his CBAs and his score output. There always has been. Um, you know, when he was pushed to the wing half forward, he's still a good player and he plays well for the team, but his scores drop off dramatically and it's just not the same. So now he has that role. There's no stopping him. So yeah, 
I think for two years running, me and Ben were both on the train of like, he's going to be the one averaging guy. Like he's got that scope. His next step is to be 125 average. I don't quite see that, but look, maybe. And I, I, I love the fact that his price, and if you're getting on him early, it's just really, really good value. But I don't know. The other thing is, so if you have one of those other guys that's above him, are you really going to get to like round three and go, oh, you know what, well, I'm going to you know, sideways to jelly really quickly? Like, I just can't see jumping off a premium that you've invested yeah, in. It has to be traveling real bad or it'd have to be like one of the 700K guys yeah. that is going to drop like 50K week three, you know, if they fire yeah. a couple of guards or something. Could be like, like a, a Clary to, to Kelly yeah. trade round three or something like that. Apart, I mean, make 120K. He'd make 120 if you've got like Bond, Steele, McRae, whoever else, like you're probably not sideways trading. They'd have to be real no. bad out of the block. So, yeah. 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 No, I exactly agree. All righty. Number 10 for you, Chris, then. Yeah, mate. Well, I think uh, JD will love this one. I've got um, the GOAT himself coming in number 10. Setterfield. Will Setterfield. <laughs> Sorry, is is my man bun too tight? Did I hear you look <laughs> Setterfield? Yeah, the veins. I'm getting migraines. <laughs> veins are oh. No, no, no. But he's in my team. But no, that's not um, that's not a thing. That's not uh, how we uh, do top tens, Chris. It's not about optimism. <laughs> no. It's about projecting fantasy output. JD, can I apologise because this is probably the shittest run pod I think we have done. <laughs> Since the great summer of 2007, like <laughs> no, no need to apologize. I feel like I'm contributing to it. It's good to not be on my own content. I can kind of just, you know, do whatever I want. This is a bit of fun. I love it. That's great. So, um, Chris, no, stop. so there's I do 10, have Jack Steele. 10. 10. Okay. Yeah, thank Jack God. Steel. Jack Steele. Okay. Right. Um, so I suppose, I suppose the thing with me, with Jack Steele, I just really don't know what I'm getting from him right now. Um, I know what he's capable of. I just don't know whether he's capable of doing that in this moment in his career. And I've, I've sort of given him where I've, where I've actually placed him here is about 112, which is a slight bump on last year, but I'm just not sure I can get him to that sort of 120, definitely not 120 plus. Like my mind just doesn't go there um, from 115 plus does it. I don't know, potentially. I know that, that um, last year, a lot of his averages were restricted when he was hampered by injury. I know he slimmed down. He just didn't, he looked off, man. And I just can't see it mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, that's just me probably going, uh, you guys might have him more. I know that he's probably in a lot of people's teams as well, but I just don't see it quite there. I think he's great value, but I, I am also like rolls. Great. So many CBAs. It's ridiculous. And when the season comes, I'm sure he turns it up. But again, I, I'm with you as far as it didn't quite look right to me. And then I just get flashbacks of Paddy Cripps when he dropped too much weight and then he, the next preseason is like, oh, I actually went too skinny, so now I need to kind of bulk up because I lost all of my strength and my difference as a player. So I actually don't even have him in my top ten, boys. I have him Ooh, scraped, oh. scraped out. I have <sighs> him scraped out again. So you've got when you're tossing up, <laughs> so when you, but again, there's a, a plethora or a plethora, however you want to say it, um, yeah. of people. And for me, I've got a, quite a lot, of other, a lot of other guys getting towards that sort of one fifteen mark or around it, and he's you know, one side of the coin or the other. So for me, he's just out. Yeah, okay. I'll I'll throw in a different spin there. I, to be fair, I think this is like valid. I probably see him as one of the ones with the wider range of outcomes. I have him all left at six at the moment. I do see him yep. as bouncing back uh, this year. And I think the main thing that I look at is that he's uh, 
average pre-injury was effectively 120. Supercoach, yep. which is about what he did the, the year before. Then he had a couple of uh, poor games. Then he had the long layoff. And then he came back. And well, he wasn't awful wasn't over the, the back half, but it yep. wasn't the same. It's much closer to what you're kind of predicting now around that 110 mark. So for me, I can kind of see it going either ways where we get like a, a high 100s, low 110s through to back about 120. Um, and I'm going optimistic on this one. I guess I am a little bit worried about the slimming down thing for the exact reason you spoke about. It's not always a good sign. And there were some concerns over how his preseason started. But we have an insider um, on the Discord that said, do not worry about Steele. He's ready to go for round one. He's going to be good this year. He's uh, fired up. So, uh, yes, I think the other thing people look at was the poor preseason score from the weekend just gone against the Bombers. But funnily enough, Saints played Essendon in the preseason game last year as well. And he did the exact same thing. He had a 80, yeah, like 81 or something. It, yeah. You know, just yeah. whatever. And then came into the season. His first round was slow, but then he went on that, that real tear. So I'm not worried about the preseason game. I am a little bit worried about the weight and what that means. But I'm going, the, I guess I'm the most optimistic that he'll get back to closer to the one point. I think um, like he's not a bad pick regardless because worst case scenario, you're paying what you're going to get out of him. So he's a super low risk pick. He's probably arguably the, lowest risk pick in the midfield because mm-hmm. worst case scenario you're going to go 110 right so yeah um and it, with 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 upside like he does have upside i just yeah i'm i'm worried that it's just not quite what everyone else is doing and i want to try and get value where i can get it and that's why i'm sort of and, and, and I, I reckon that the way that i'm looking at him in terms of oh yeah he's going to be 10 is probably how i want to look at it it's 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 definitely a, like a biased view of it. Like, oh yeah, these are negatives. Therefore, I'm going to look at it like this. Whereas if I wanted to be optimistic about it, I could be like, oh yeah, well, I could have all this statistical data to back up what he's previously done. So therefore, why am I influencing my decision based on what he looks like now and, and what he's done in the last 12 rounds? Um, so he, yeah. he could be sixth overall and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. And he's at a price point where I think he's definitely good value. So I'm not going to judge anyone for going there or even suggesting it. It's the same way that I wouldn't be that surprised if Josh Kelly just banged out a season of a 123 average because I still think he is that quality of a player that he is capable. When you're trying to kind of marry up a few different people, when you get into this top 10, particularly for mids, not too many of them keep repeating year after year after year. It's a heavy and hard business, especially in the midfield, to stay uh, clean health and have a good role and dominate your peers. So it's a very much a speculation and gut feel when you kind of put, hey, here's one, two, three, or five compared to each other. Which one do you think is going to go ahead into that top 10? Um, yeah, I think it's definitely very much opinionated. Um, JD, who have we got for ninth for yourself? Yeah, just quickly, one last thing on Steele. He's got that first spot. So regardless of yep. where you see him, whether it's closer to six or out of the 10, like he's probably one that you can just not start that reason if you're on the fence about it um all right number nine i'm going to drop in brayshaw at nine which yeah boy that's who i have nine nice work yeah okay i don't know if this is going to be controversial or not because it's a bit hard to know what his role is going to look like this year and you can only see more tags coming his way um i guess showed some susceptibility to it and is probably the most important midfielder at freo at the moment but Ever since he's joined the league, his averages increased each year. So 61, 71, 101, 107, 112 last year. And I think the natural progression does see him move up a few more points, potentially a few more points. Um, although he does, that is predicated on him being able to work through tags and Freer kind of being as good or at least as competitive as they were last year. And so while I've got him at nine, I could see this backfiring and going, and going the other way uh, quite easily. 
but I do like Brayshaw and wanted to give a mention. So there he is, number nine. Yeah, I'll, look, um, everything you said is completely accurate. The, there's two things that are currently uh, running me against Brayshaw. Um, so obviously the tag factor is there. He has a great start to starting fixture, but some of those tags are also there. So, and some tags that we think are going to be there also from those lower, lower fixtures. So a um, little bit worried. I've seen Killer obviously round one. He's gone one, 189 against them last year. I can't see Ross Lyon running into that game and not putting a tag on him. And that's just, again, that's foresight. We don't have any data to back that up. Yeah. All we've got is, okay, well, Ross Lyon has tagged a lot before. Why wouldn't he do that now, knowing what he knows about Andrew Brayshaw? Yeah. And um, he's not running into five weeks. He's yeah. not running into five weeks of Owen memes either. I can guarantee you that. So he, <laughs> yeah, wants, right. he wants that win. He's like, I'm not going Owen, whatever. I mean, the, yeah. So I, I did some stats earlier in the preseason uh, that uh, against top eight size last year, he averaged 123. Um, but I don't see him being able to do that because part of that was Saints 189. Um, so that might be a, a hugely inflated average mm-hmm. that I'm looking at. Um, the other thing is the mid splits. So Jaeger's come in and basically is the number one center bounce mid. Um, that's going to surprise me. Now I know he's obviously, he, he's a race for round one or is he not mm-hmm. playing round one? Um, and then Brody out of nowhere decided that he could actually run out games a lot better <laughs> and have 10% more. Wow. Well, that was one preseason game. Like, I, I, I know. I know. He's <laughs> up, Abdul. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't want to be sued for copyright infringement. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, look, now I don't know where that sits. This has been. A, this will be a really weird thing if all of a sudden Will Brody averages ten percent more time on ground for the year. But he was fantastic last year as a brilliant clearance mid. So where does that leave Brayshaw? Just it sort of just has this open question mark where he averaged one twelve last year. I think early in the preseason I was like. Is going one fifteen to one twenty easy, and now I'm like, maybe it's one fifteen cap. Maybe it's maybe it's not all the way up to that one twenty mark. And so mm. I've cooled on the pick. Um, mm. But yeah, number nine for me, I have him at about one fourteen average. Five. I oh, know I can answer your question. Uh, he's not in my top ten. <laughs> okay, you, okay. you said you're not sure That's where good. that leaves him. So I was like, oh, sorry, I'll put, oh, that was me putting my hand up. Uh, oh, sorry, we've him. got the we've got the storyteller, the fortune teller, to tell us exactly where he's at. <laughs> I could see why you're confused because I think I was doing that for someone else, like with yeah. the four. Um, no, I don't have him in my top ten. I think three. You were like pick number probably... three, my lord. Pick number yeah. three. <laughs> number three, my lord. <laughs> I think he's maybe overcompensating for something. <laughs> uh, good on. Oh, Shrek. That was a Shrek reference there, JD. Just saying. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got two kids under five. I have seen my fair share of Shrek reruns recently. Plus, not to mention that's what we've. Darcy for the longest time. Yeah, like, <laughs> also, the title of Chris's autobiography. So, um, yeah, no, for me, I think Freeman will probably, I think they're losing more games this year. I think they slide a little. Uh, O'Meara coming in, as Chris sort of said, was another concern of mine. Uh, high ceiling, though. So, I think he's very, very capable. And um, yeah, just sort of slips out there for me, guys. So, I, mean, I do like him as a player. Yeah, I think regardless of where you have him in the rankings, right, he's just one of those classic oh. high-variance players that can be tagged. So there's no reason to start him. You pick him up after a couple of bad games yep. at some point throughout the year. So, yeah. Like, like yeah. a Petrarca or someone like that. Wait, pick him up low. And same as um, – actually, let's go for your nine. Same, same as my same number nine. Oliver, right? Same <laughs> as my number nine. Um, same thing. You avoid them. So, Chris, who have you got for nine? Uh, yours was the same, was it? 
Yeah, I had Brayshaw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so I had Zach Merritt at number nine. Yeah, okay. okay. I knew that's exactly where you were heading with that. Yeah, with that, that lead in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the high yeah. variance. So the second Zach half Merritt, goat, as we like to call him, top five. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Top five, second half. Yeah, and I think he's just. I just like the way he plays. To be honest, I think last year he got much better at. Um, like running out games as well. And when he was against Brisbane, they paid him zero regard. And you just watch him move contest from contest. I think it was the Beast Matheson was on him on the wing. And as they spread, he just literally went straight past and then kept running, went to the <laughs> other side, and then was completely open in the goal square. And they gave him no attention at all. I just think he's an absolute great player. As a captain, I just, yeah, I, for me, I think he's great. Number nine. I See, the thing is, now that he's got the GOAT playing with him, like he takes all the defensive responsibility in that midfield and, and he can just run off, just do it on his own. Just run around and get the ball, you know, see ball, get ball. Don't worry about tackling. Don't worry about running defensively. Two ways is, is oh. overrated for Zach Merritt these days. Don't worry about playing more than oh, 10 games ever in a season. All right. So um, I have him at number eight. And I think the one thing that could actually make him somewhat of an interesting pick as a starting pick is the fact that he's captain this year. And that some of the comments in the preseason were around the defensive effort of Essendon's midfield, the work rate and all that type of stuff. So I feel like he's in one of those situations where he has to probably come out he has and prove to. it. And his yep. leadership style has always been like, follow me on the field, training standards, not inspirational speaker. So it feels like if they're going to set some standards around defensive pressure and work rate this year, it probably has to be led by merit. And that could mean that we see a faster start than what we normally see out of him or have seen the last couple of years. Uh, or it could mean that his scoring goes backwards a little back, bit because yeah. he is doing more of the defensive stuff than than what's normal. But well, I'd hope they'd correct that because it's not where his bread and butter is. Um, but yeah, so I have him at, I have at number eight. Um, once again, it's not one of these picks I'm really entertaining as a starting option just because he's also once showed um, to be susceptible to tags and he's always been better in the second half of the year, although some of that could be due to circumstance rather than anything else. Um, I did want to bring out a couple of fun facts. So in wins last year, Zach Merritt averaged 127 in losses, Oof. 105. So Four game he, sample size? Uh, six, six, <laughs> wins, six wins he played in last year. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, and if, you know, now that we do have the GOAT um, lining up beside him, maybe we <laughs> can we can get a couple more wins this year. Who knows? Jack um, Steele, 28 in my half, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then interestingly, he actually did better against um, top eight sides last year than the bottom 10 sides. So in the 10 top eight games he played, he had a 118 average and just went 106 against the bottom 10 sides. Yeah, yeah Brisbane can... uh, to thank for that. Yeah, yeah well, it's a I bit unfortunate he can't play Essendon because the average would have evened up real quick. <laughs> I, um, I've got him averaging around about the same as last year. Like, I, I don't know... The thing with Essendon, there's just so many promises. You must be the most frustrated supporter of all time. Uh, um, I gave up um, having expectations for my side many years ago. It's kept me <laughs> in good stead. Those oh. that still get their hopes up each year are the ones that are disappointed. Yeah, I agree. Um, and look, there's just too much talk for so many years that I just can't see it yet. And mm. I just need to see it. I, I, so for him, I just think he's a 110 merchant at this point. Um, uh, starts, come on, wait, 2020, he went 115 and a half. 20, uh, last, uh, sorry, two years ago, 115, and then last year, 112. So he's like three, four points down the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, but 2020, just don't even, that's not even a year you can say stats for. Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. But I'm saying like over the last two <laughs> before the last one, like 115, 115, yeah, like, 112. I mean, do you want to, like, it's not like 2020 is the only year that he's put up good numbers. That's wow. true. If, if he starts well, I wouldn't mind trying to be one of the earlier ones to get on him. Hmm. 
But yeah, uh, there's definitely merit to that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, by the way, one other reason not to start him, we've, we've got um, Hawks round one and you'd think McGuinness probably goes to him over Parrish. And then uh, I think we've got Saints round three. So if Winhager should be back, and once again, you probably go to Merritt over someone else. So I think there's a good chance he gets tagged a couple of times early, and then you could look at Yeah, and, and you could probably pick him up super early as well. And I suppose mm-hmm. the thing for people at home who are watching to take into consideration is that you keep an eye on that because don't just think he's plodding along and not playing well because because he's been tagged. You need to keep an eye on watch the games or watch listen to the podcast or watch on watch at home. Um because we'll give you that information of, okay, well, yes, his score sucked, but here's the reasons why. And when he wasn't tagged, he did this. So even though he's only averaging 105, he's still going really at a really good level just when he's tagged. He's popped those lower games. Does he play um, those two teams at all later in the year? Do you know? That's something that is how uh, many tag. Do they play are, Hawks? No, no, I don't, think, I, don't, uh, no I don't think any of those are our doubles. Yeah, so that's interesting because, again, that's a classic back end that you could definitely jump on. Um, but yeah, someone to keep an eye on because what we know is that, yes, he's susceptible to a tag, but he can pump out some absolutely mammoth scores when he's not. So That's right. No, um, they don't play Hawks twice, but they do play uh, West uh, Coast Pies, and... Uh, Pies, West Coast, uh, GWS, North. Port. Oh, North, North, yeah. Yeah, because I remember, I think you play West Coast and North twice each in like the last... 13 or 14 rounds. You yeah, pretty much right. it's, it's, like, it's like round 11 that's and 12, juicy. West Coast North, and then 21, 22, that West Coast North. I, yeah. I've actually circled that one on my calendar saying, make sure I have all Essendon players <laughs> from that round. Well, you're playing the bottom two teams twice. So out of, out of say, 11 rounds, you've got four of them and against Bunnies. Kako, did Kako ever tag? Has he? Yes, he has tags in the past, yes. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, it's not like it was a go-to, but yes, he's used uh, various tags. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's just journalists Shields. on the way out. I think oh, he's yeah. Shields as a tag at one yeah, point. He has, he's gone yeah. there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought okay, he normally cool. just tags journalists on the way out. <laughs> <Just walk around. laughs> um, when he can't find a wall. Uh, <laughs> I love I love that he didn't apologize. He's like, I can't. I look, I, I apologize, but I might do it again. Eh, like. It's oh, so bad. Oh, it's Literally, so bad. The most no, thing you've ever heard. Oh, it's like it was so tone deaf and like so insensitive. But like, let's not let's not derail um <laughs> talk with extremely. Uh, but I, I, le- I at least oh, I acknowledge wow. the fact that he probably knows himself and he can't promise he won't do it again. Because then he's like, well, then I'll get in more trouble. Like, obviously, um, yes, not a great. Sorry, so, um, sorry. So uh, yeah, Merritt was at number eight for me. He was nine for you. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just have him outside. Yeah, I've got him eight uh, for you, Chris. I actually have him at twelfth. So no, I don't have him in there. Number eight, Chris. Uh, Jack McRae. Um, so I just don't see the. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty negative on on McRae in terms of his upside, but I just think he's a he's still going to be a really good pick at that one fifteen level. He's gonna, but he's he's what you're gonna pay for him. I don't think that he's necessarily going to increase. Um, there are a lot of people that love McRae, and that's fine. I just don't see it. Um, the only evidence that we've had to support it has been Magneto changing around McRae like he's going out of fashion and continuously, <laughs> continuously yeah, like continuously um, decreasing his CBAs. Even though he was actually the number one mid last year at the Dogs, he still decreased his uh, mid time by thirteen percent over the year. Um, sorry, CBAs, I should say. So he was obviously pushed out to the wing, and that's what we saw in the second half of the year. I did like a really like stupid, like way too much in-depth study of him as a midfielder 
it would and it looked like what Bevo was doing is basically playing him in chunks in, in CBAs. So he'd be a more prominent CBA midfielder for four weeks and then he'd drop back for three weeks. And he's done this with a bunch of his different mids to try and freshen them up for the finals. And it looked like he was in their preferred mix at the end where he was averaging about 68, 70% of CBAs. But he dropped him right down before that just to make freshen him up to get him ready for finals. And that seems to be what they what he does. So I just don't think that with Bevo's mindset, he's going to be able to get 70 plus percent CBAs, which is what he's needed to, to go that sort of 120 plus. I think that he's still definitely like 115 and he'll have patches where he'll go 125, 130 plus average, 100%. But over the course of the season, I don't think you're going to see that too much. That's just my personal opinion. People hate me for it, but that's cool. I'm okay with it. I'm sure he appreciated the freshen up for an early exit in finals too. He's like, oh, what a great off season. I just feel, I feel rejuvenated for a second week exit. Um, JD, where do you have McRae? I have him much higher, actually. I think I've got him all the way up at five at the moment. Uh, putting a little bit of respect on McRae's name because prior to last year, he had, what, four years where he averaged about 125 across those four. Yep. So to, to drop off to 115, I think it's probably too much in one year and we see some regression the other way. I probably have him going closer to the 20-ish mark if I was to put a number on it, maybe higher 110s. Uh, and look, if he does, I can also see the reason why I wouldn't do that this year. If Clarko persists with the sharing CBA's route and even with Dunkley's departure, they put someone else in. But I, I just think that they're not going to do that. They're going to raise the CBAs of their star mids and settle on a mix, which is what we've seen a lot of the other top teams do, uh, like Geelong, basically. But yeah, I think the CBAs go back up this year, albeit a little bit, um, not to the to the mid seventies, and then we see the scoring come back a little bit with it as well. I think we've so, put Finn McGuinness on um, on you, JD, because I think you just got tagged into saying Clarko's coaching the dogs. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Um, you know, Bevo, I, uh, Bevo, yep, sorry. yeah, good old. No, 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 I'm still laughing at Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might steal that. One of Chris's more insightful analogies, I think. Um, yeah, no, for me, I've got McCray at eight as well. And uh, I can understand the rationale for people expecting him to go up, but it's more of the, his, I guess, ability to go inside and outside. And with Bevo mm-hmm. shifting those, those markers, um, like Chris was saying as well. I don't know. I think Bailey Smith and a few of these others, Libertori has to be inside. He's not really great anywhere else, to be mm-hmm. honest. So then Bont's that real high variance, um, you know, impact sort of player. Plus he's too tall to now spend too much time forward as well. They don't need him forward as they used to. So I think he is now more prominent in there, which has come out. So then it's like, well, McCray will probably be like inside, outside, mixing with you know, Bailey, Bailey Smith. Smith. Trelaw will yeah. probably come in, in into the guts yep. at times, maybe on the wing at others, maybe even half forward flank for Trelaw. So I think they'll just kind of mix it up a little bit through there. So that's the only reason is that he's at eight for me is McRae. And it's yeah, not that I don't like him. It's just, I'm not sure if there's enough points to share through the main CBA part, whether that'll push him from the 115 to the 120 pluses. That's fair. I think, I mean, personally, like I, I personally believe that McRae is a better midfielder than oh. he's probably, I think that he's, Better than say Libba in terms of midfield ability, but in terms of and accumulation, but obviously Libba's a great clearance player and they can't just not have him in that mix. Um, and I also think Bailey Smith is much better on the outside, but he seems to be preferred at, at, in the one game sample size we have in a preseason game. He seems to be getting way more CBAs than I thought he would. I, I would prefer Bailey Smith to be a complete wing player. He's got the tank to be able to do it, but 
maybe age is coming. I don't know. Well, well, McRae's only 28 going 29. Like he, oh, he's got the yeah. tank. I, I just, I, I, unless, yeah. No, he, he, was fading, he, he was fading out of games um, last year and he's back at half the year was definitely worse and they rested him up as part of that. So I don't know. I have a feeling that he, we probably hit the point in his career where he starts declining. I just think that um, the 10 point decrease in one year was, was probably a lot. Yeah. Was was too much, and you just see regression yeah. the other way this year. But he's, I think, he starts declining just in general from here. I think so you, to get so the mix. What do you in... have him? What do you have him at, JD? Sorry, sorry. About I, I have him at five, but I actually yeah, realized I've got. Oh, I think like high one tens, one. Oh yeah, so like one twenty or high bench. It's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a, it's not a one twenty five. I don't think he gets back to that. I, I no. also just realized if I've got at number four, I probably wouldn't have there anymore. We, uh, we can talk about him. That's there. fine. <laughs> that's all right. It's all right, JD. I actually listened to you, Chris. Those things on your head, they're called ears and they're free to use at any time. Um, yeah, I think Bailey Smith provides that point of difference for them, though, because you have Libra getting that, like, back, back Libra in to get the clearance. Bondapelli is such a good user and silky as far as, you know, not uh, evasive. And then if you do get out the front of that stoppage, then who do you want? Like, McRae laboring through mm-hmm. at a fairly good speed or Mullet Man with absolutely lightning <laughs> speed absolutely breaking that line and i think that's the point of difference is if they I get... see that you you use that like breaking the line hey buddy oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's, that's only you could pull that pun as it was nothing uh, only uh, you could do that that's well done like a deer in headlights um no i didn't see that one coming um so that's the only difference for me now i think we're up to number seven i think and jd we haven't got your seven i believe or chris uh oh okay we're up to seven okay uh I feel like he's going to be much higher on at least one of your lists, maybe both. Uh, but I've got Lucky Neil falling this year, all the way to seven. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't Rationale? have him there. <laughs> Rationale for seven? Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Um, the recipe to defensive, beating defensive. The lines, let's go. Let's go. The, the recipe to beating lines last year was tagging Neil, and some teams seem to figure that out in the second half of the year, and there seems to be more taggers this year. So I just think that he's not going to be allowed to get off the chain to put up the 180s, the 160s that we saw routinely last year. Yes, there's going to be some teams that want to go head-to-head or don't learn their lesson. But even Essendon, what, he dropped a 200 on us in round two and then the second time around we tagged him, I think, with Caldwell for a 90. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of clubs that take note and put attention to Lockie Neal. Um, so that's part one. And then part two, I think Dunkley coming in does affect him while... Like, I think he's going to be more efficient with Dunkley in there because it's just another person to win the ball, get it out, create space, all that type of stuff. But I do think that when you put lots of these good guys together, it in in general hurts them more than it helps them. So uh, I think, yeah, Dunkley taking up some of the midfield uh, air hurts him and then more teams should be tagging him, which I think will also hurt him. And we see him kind of uh, drop off from the heights that we got last year. Yeah, look, I, I have him fourth, so I do have him higher, but... Um, I do, th- I do agree with you. I've actually got him listed here as a slight regression, but, um, with Dunkley's clearance ability will mean that he's going to be the guy. There's only so many clearances in a game, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if Lockie Neal's averaging X amount because he's the number one clearance midfielder at the club, but then I know that new midfielder comes in and I believe personally that Dunkley will average the most clearances for them. So then naturally that means that he's going to have less share of the pie. So I'm not sure what that results to in terms of points. Lockie Neal has shown that he's an accumulator regardless. So he's going to be able to get the ball and find the ball. Is he going to be able to 
compensate for his lack of clearances, which is obviously directly related to big SC numbers. Clearances are one of the, the largest um, factors for Supercoach scoring. Um, or is it got, can he get enough outside ball to compensate that? I don't know. So I, I still have him at fourth, um, but he's the lowest of the guys that I think can go into that 120 bracket. And I, I've actually got him to about 118. So I don't, yeah, I don't have him super, super high, but not, um, yeah, not in that realm of super premiums that we've obviously seen him be before. So what number do you have him, Chris? I have fourth. You have him at fourth. Okay. So I have him sliding as well. I have him at fifth. Um, Similar reasons, I think, with the tag and the rest of it with Dunkley coming in. I think also, I think it does. I think it helps him uh, as far as, you know, share that load a little bit. And he is, I think, pushing towards that 30 mark. So I I still like him. Yeah. So I still like it in general. The one thing that kind of tempts me a little bit is... Well, they a they have the first buy, so I'm keen to kind of look at it as an upgrade after that point. Lions don't have many home games to start. I think they have six home games out of the first fifteen. And the one thing that is a positive though is that Lockie Neal had the third. Uh, I think it's the third highest win loss Supercoach differential in the first fifty. Mm-hmm. The top fifty averaging players. So when they lost, he averaged one hundred one point eight, which is where the tagging comes in and why people were doing it. And when they won, he averaged 132.9. And if they're going to win more games this year and finish top of the ladder, so I'm like, okay, well, maybe there is a little bit of meat on the bone if they win. And the only two that were actually ahead of that was Petrarca, so no shocks there. And leading the top 50 was actually Canelio, which is probably more to do with the role change, but Mm -hmm. he averaged 40 points difference between wins and losses. Yeah, so, I mean, you knocked a nail on the head there with his tagging. So he's going to be the one that gets a tag, which is – because last year there was basically proven that you stopped nearly stopped Brisbane. So, however, there could be a, a shift in that because stopping Neil may just mean that Dunkley goes off the chain and you don't beat Brisbane. So maybe that relaxes towards the back end of the season. I'm sort of in two minds with that because I like, I love him as an upgrade target, but then I've also got you know years of stats saying that he's a, a front half of the season merchant and just goes nuts for the first six weeks and then completely dies. So I don't know where I sit with that. And it's really only just, it sort of scares me as the pick. I actually had him in my team reveal, one of my, one of my seven team reveals that I've done. I'm not sure which one, but um, yeah, I just, I'm not sure. I, I don't know where I sit with it. At it's totality. I do like him as an upgrade target, but you'd be backing in a guy who historically doesn't finish the season well to be able to go better than he's ever done before. And I'm not, yeah, I don't know. don't know if I can sell that to myself at this stage. I might be able to do it later in the season when there's I'm looking at the upper road targets and there's absolutely nothing to pick from. And I'm like, okay, well, Lockie Neal it is. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I, I definitely think he's sliding. Just, I have him obviously slightly higher than you guys do. Um, but yeah, still, a, I don't think his value at his price. No. It's 676. Is he, are you going to get what you get out of him? Maybe he's probably sliding. You'll probably be able to pick him up just over 600 K, maybe just under pretty easily. I think. I get the feeling that he won't hurt you as a starting pick. It's just that you're going to probably miss out on someone that was better value. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Definitely. And he's low, low ownership, isn't he? He's like 19%, which is like, I think unheard of for the past three, four years in terms of locking in. So, um, yeah, not bad at all. Even McRae's ownership's taken a bit of a hit. Um, Chris, who do you have at what seven. Are we on seven? Tom Green, mate. I'm a big... Oh. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, I love him. I just see, obviously, this is a big like swing for the fences type pick. I see him averaging one fifteen plus 
not I think he'll get attention through the season and let's say that it's not like a complete walk in the park but I think he's probably the closest version to Clayton Oliver that we have um and he's all of his junior stats point to the fact that he's an absolute and his current stats um his contested ball ratio his absolute elite at which at all of the super coach midfielder stats that you want he's completely like number one by a fair margin um finally getting the role is a different thing obviously he still was technically the number one midfielder at gws with all their changes and 17 midfielders that they ran through there with i think it ended up being 58 percent cbas for the season that's off the top of my head um he will be as he will be easily 65 to 70 percent possibly more he's probably going to be the number one cba midfielder for the season for them um and if i say that kelly's getting 65 percent, i only see tom green getting more than that um the only thing that's really going to weigh him down in terms of his ability to score is going to be his tank so maybe back in the season he's not able to do it as as he was in the front half i even noticed that um, he sort of used it to his advantage a bit in the preseason game, but he was a little bit gassed like in parts of quarters and he's laboring behind the play, but just got lucky enough that the ball happened to find him rather than him finding the ball. So how does that work long-term and that they rotate him more? Does that mean he drops out of that midfield rotation as much? I don't really know what they're going to do with that, but he definitely needs to still work on his tank, even though he has obviously shedded a few kilos um, and been uh, running PBs in terms of his time trials and obviously playing out of his skin. So, yeah, 115 is where I see him as making it. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have him even in your top 10? Like, that's probably a, a question. I've I don't. Him, I've had him in my team all preseason, and uh, there's no chance I move him out, but I don't have him in the top 10. I, I couldn't make a bold enough call to put him in. But there's, right. total, there's totally paths I, where I see it happening. I mean, I think if you look at him compared to the – Top ten midfielders. He's only about four or five disposals behind, like per game, um, with behind their numbers. But pretty yes. much ticks all the other boxes on contested rate, uh, efficiency, tackles, all the all the other all the other numbers. So yeah, it's just about get that extra time in the midfield. How much you got to pump those numbers up? Yeah, how much more is coming <laughs> yeah, with it? Numbers. <laughs> they're surprisingly. Do you want to guess what his time on ground was last year? Do you know? Oof, I head? don't actually know off the top of my head. Um, it was eighty two percent? Surprisingly, not. Surprisingly, not a bad number. So um, his tank was talked about a lot, and yes, he looks better. But I, I think a lot of the fade came from just him getting beaten up playing right. It's probably also why his time the ground was so high as well. They're just playing him in abnormal roles. So I think if you just refocus that into midfield time, he's going to gun it this year. Like he he and, should be he should be mirroring Crips in terms of his role, right? So he should be yes, uh, very high CBA midfielder and stints forward where he really impacts as a marking tool. Mm-hmm. Um, Rest forward essentially for you know let's say ten percent per game. I, I, if he can do that, I think that there's huge scope in his ability. But then it's his body. Can he take the load? That's the next question, and we just don't haven't seen that yet. Um, so yeah, I, look, I think we all all have him right. Like we'll have Tom Green. Yeah, yeah. So yeah you, the value is that high. Though? Yeah, I got one ten. Yeah, I would. So I yeah, would I think about one ten. So it's it's yeah, that so it's that eight to post. twenty range, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's no one at at his price that's better value because you don't. His upside is so unknown, right? So he could go. I mean, he, look, would we be sitting here saying what's happening with Tom Green if he, round eight he's averaging 125? Like, I, I know that that's. It wouldn't surprise me. I think he started off the year like pretty similarly, didn't he? Last year, over yeah, the first did, six yeah. weeks, he, he was, was 120 or something. Yeah, he, he was went 122 huge. of the first six. Yeah. I think it's like 
even more because he, he had a 164 and a 147 in the first three, something like that. He's got the yeah, first three sure. rounds were absolutely huge, and then a 92, 115, 108, 107. So, yeah, the first part of the season was absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, as Chris mentioned, so 58% you were correct there, Chris. And GWS had the lowest amount of CBA for that was their number one midfielder, yes, and six yeah. and 58% was the lowest in the entire competition for their number one midfielder as far as a percentage. Um, and that's funny because even Geelong try and really spread their load a lot and even they weren't that bad. So, well, part uh, of that obviously came with, so Cornelio for the first six weeks obviously didn't have any midfield time and then bang, I think he was like 74 or 75% after that. So, yeah, you can read into a lot of that, but you, you do have to take the whole season into context. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, look, I see, I see a lot of growth. I just don't, I don't know where I put him. I kind of just went dartboard. I think that's probably where it sits. Um, but some of these picks you can probably take with that. I'd, I'd still be happy with 110. He fits in nicely at an M8. Don't like, backtrack now. Don't pussy out. 115. No, no, no. I, 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 I love it. I love it. I, I'm just glad we got to talk about Tom Green. So, yeah. I'm- I know. <laughs> I nearly put him at 10, but then I was like, oh, I was like, Jelly's going to average more, unfortunately. Um, well, that's, that's a given, but Jelly's the goat, so that's fine. Yeah, newly forgiven. Well, um, now that Will Setterfield's not on the team anymore. Oh. <laughs> no, he's, he's still there. He's still there. He's sitting there at, quite uh, quite nicely at M5. It's nice. It's nice. Very nice. Any opportunity to drop it. Um, okay, seven. Have you given us seven, JD? Yeah, Neil was seven. Yep. Oh, so Neil was your seven. I have Mills at seven. And okay. mainly because I still rate him highly. Um, I just, as far as him doing the role and him doing the whole captain thing, you know, with Goulden and with the rise of Warner, et cetera, I'm not sure if he's going to have to do as much on his own. So if the defensive line holds up and the rest of it, then I think it's probably not going to be too much of an issue, but we've seen the commentary as well, where it's not the coach saying, Oh, Hey, like go and plug some holes. It's pretty much him going, Hey guys, you are leaking goals. I'm now back here to tell you what's what and then command yep. you. So if Sydney are, um, you know, not winning as many games as they did last year, then he might do that more often, especially if some of those other guys are taking the load and they don't need him as much. So it's not a, a reflection of his skills because I still highly rate Mills. It's more of a, I'm not sure he has to carry the loan burden, which might just cause a little bit more of an even distribution and still a really good score, but just a little bit of a slide for me. Yeah, and look, um, I actually don't have him in that 10. Um, there's a few reasons for that. I was hot. You know, Ben, I was absolutely hot on Mills for ages because I just saw upside galore based on a, a few different stats, but namely his CBA rate last year. He actually only had 56% CBAs for the season. And in games he where he was the he lowest had, of last year's top eight it's in terms insane. of CBAs. Yeah. Um, but most of that was because up until round 12, he was averaging like 65 or 64% CBA. So he's actually considerably higher in the front half of the year where he was averaging really, really well. And then at round 12, his role shifted basically. Um, and I don't know if this was due to runs or what they saw in the team or they wanted other, Warner obviously came in and was averaging more CBAs. Um, and so his roles kind of shifted and he never had a single game over 70% CBAs for the rest of the season. And his scores just went like this for the rest. And it would go up when he had a good CBA game and then go down when he had a bad CBA game and so on and so forth. And, I don't see, unfortunately, I don't see that changing. I don't see him going higher anymore. I, I actually had a view of surely you get Mills in there. Is that he's their number one mid. He's the guy that's going to drive them forward. But then, obviously, Goulden's come out of nowhere with an amazing preseason. Um, 
Warner's only going to get more CBAs, which is a given in my opinion. Robot and they obviously want to get more CBAs into. Parker doesn't seem to be moving for whatever reason, and I don't know why. I think he's probably best utilized for them now moving forward as a forward or as a you know forward that you know pinches in the midfield as opposed to a mid that pinches in the forward line. Um, but yeah, I just don't see any of that with Mills. I don't and and the evidence so far has suggested that Mills isn't going to get that uptick. They're going to use him in different roles and they're going to just basically use him at where the team needs him, not necessarily where he's going to score super coach points. And so that's my reasoning. I think he's probably around that 110 mark, could be even less, to be completely honest. But Ooh, JD support or? Yeah, no, so he's not in my 10. I think I had him as like an honorable mention around the 12 mark. And it's okay. pretty much the exact same reason that, uh, I mean, Warner was the big one. So. Warner had something like no games over 50% CBAs until about round 10. And then he's the one that ticked up to 70% as Mills dropped off. You can't see them taking CBAs away from Warner. And if they're going to be putting Goulburn through there too, yes, there's players like Papley and Heaney that they use a little bit at times that maybe that's whose CBAs Goulburn takes. But I think the reality is it's probably a bit of Mills as well who could play on the wing, play in defense, um, and yet can float around to wherever it's needed. So I think his flexibility is going to be the death of him from a super coach perspective. No knock on him and as a player. It's a little bit like Neil. I don't think because they're going backwards in super coach, they're aggressing as players this year. It's just not as fantasy friendly roles as what they've had in yep. previous seasons. Yeah, that team balance. I think Papley had about thirty five percent. I think Heaney had about fourteen. Yeah, and Heaney's so. de- Heaney's definitely dropped off. I think he only had four percent on the practice game, which is pretty much only because I think Mills wasn't really playing. So I expect Heaney I to get they- bugger all. They tried to force Heaney to be a midfielder, but then realized he's actually not really a good midfielder at all anyway. So why are we trying to force this into his role? They just want to use his what is his ball winging ability that he was up in the forward line, try to transfer that into midfield. But then they were playing him as a defensive side midfielder. I was like, I don't understand what like what are you doing? Like what what is it? This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's the allure of the Dustin Martin, Petrarca, Dugowie. They're trying to use the same thing. Like you got this bigger bigger forward that's got the allure of that can play midfield. And I just think he is better as a half forward that pushes up onto the ball when required rather than actually being a mid that spits forward. Well, it yeah. got Jake Stringer a gig for a little while, so anything's yeah. possible. Um, <laughs> Stringer's blessed with that role too. He just <laughs> yeah, he can't, he can't get on the park. Um, he just can't get on the park. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but I think even now as they get older, you see, you know, Dusty is too valuable forward and Petrarca, mm-hmm. they're starting to talk, well, he's still damaging forward. So let's put him forward more. And even with Heaney, it's like, okay, wonderful. Someone else can win the clearance and kick it forward. It's like, well, who do you want trying to market? Heaney kicking out of the forward 50, uh, out of the, you know, CBA to, you know, someone who's not as good. You'd rather back in like a Robottom or a Gulden or someone else and then have Heaney's aerial ability and competitiveness to win those one-on-ones in the air and stuff to actually shine through. Mm. And that's where the team balance sort of really comes into it. Um, okay, so that's seven down for me and you two guys. Um, Chris, I think, so JD, no, we've already was, got your six and five, I don't we? Steel, I steel at six, McRae yeah, at five. Yep, yep. Five, so Chris, so your My six was Kelly, so um, Ooh, and I do have so a five, six, but I'll, I'll wait. My six is a little bit outlandish. And it's based on potential. It's definitely not based on preseason. It's definitely, uh, there might be some ice involved. Is it Tom Green? Because we've already gone through. No, no, no. There might've been a little bit of ice involved, (laughs) but last year pre-injury was absolutely setting it alight after a quiet first few rounds. I just think the high ceiling is there. I really rate him as a player and he's someone for me, if he gets a good run at it, 
could push, you know, 116 to 118, which is where I have him sort of pegged. Now, I'm going to disregard the ice on a cuff, apparently. Just copy is the it corky. Hugh McCluggage? Um, Darcy oh. Parrish. Darcy Parrish. Oh, wow. I'm so confused. I could. Okay. okay. Darcy He's... Parrish is my sixth highest averaging oh. midfielder. He was someone that was in my top six or five until um, the last little stretch, and he's now not even mentioned in the top 12. I'm so holding let's, the let's, faith. let's hear some Parish reasoning here. Let's go. I'm holding I, the faith. It's just, just, just faith. It's on faith. No, no, oh, okay. yes. oh, okay. no, no, it's not, not completely blind faith. But I mean, why not put Setterfield back at 10 then? We're just going on faith. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need eye tests or stats or injury history. Setterfield's <laughs> average more than Parish. Let's go. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, um, you want to make that bad bet? Is that what's happening here? Chris? No, no. Uh, look, uh, look. Well, what is he? He's, 20, he's 25, 25 and a half. Average 114.1 the year before, right? So it had a high sort of ceiling game through here. Even when we look at last year, you know, he started off a little bit slow with the 99, 110, 97. And then before he got injured on 51. So his true average is actually more like 115, which is bordering mm-hmm. on, I think it's McCray and Bontempelli, like just short of that anyway. Mm-hmm. So that automatically makes him a, nearly a top eight if he stays fit. But from round four to round 11, he went 121, 113, 133, 111, 139, 109, 128, 142. And then was obviously injured, only had like a couple of rounds in the back end of that and it really tailed his average down. So potential-wise... If he actually gets and stays fit, which is very questionable, I do agree. But I believe his average is definitely in that scope with the high ceiling as seen by, was it 2021 as well? He has the game and the style to average really well. Look, I mean, the scoring is there. I'll be honest right off the bat and say that I will not endorse the pick. (laughs) But that's my... I am completely burnt by him the last two seasons. I, I brought him in two seasons ago um, at the buys. I think he was averaging, uh, he had a mm-hmm. super hot. I remember him absolutely cooking us in the um, Anzac day game. I think he got like 140 mm-hmm. or 150. And he went on that heat. I think he was averaging at 140 over like six weeks, something stupid. And I, I was like, all right, he's going to take, I'm going to ride this train home. I spent buckets to get him because he was like 640K or something stupid. And then he burnt me for the rest of the year. I think he averaged like 103 or something stupid for the rest of the season. And then last year, I picked him up when he got his 51. So he was going on a great <laughs> run. I pick him up. He immediately got injured, missed the next week. So I had to play a rookie on field. I was just, I traded him out. I traded him out straight away. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's unlike someone from the pies to, you know, buy someone their actually peak, pay way too much and then have to trade them out. <laughs> 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 that is exactly my MO. <laughs> you and should, Noble like must a, get along well. We should, we should pay your salary as well. Why not? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pay for him to play for my team. That's good. Oh That's good. man. So yeah. I can't I just I just I've been burnt twice and like yeah, you know, twice bitten, you know, not not interested. I can't do it. Yeah. Um the scoring's there. Is the role there this year? I don't know anymore because so again, we have a one game sample size of data. So what we saw was two things. First of all, they were basically trying Perkins and Setterfield in that sort of fourth midfield role. Um, Shear was played a little bit outside, and then you have obviously Merritt and Parrish. And I, Shear's, Shear's an insanely good clearance player, but his use and his, uh, how do I say this? His, his inconsistency is just too high. It's the variance is like I'd be super frustrated as an Essence supporter. 
<laughs> like, because you see these games where Shield is like the best mid in the comp, and you're like, what is happening here? This is not the Shield from last week who turns over 15 times in a row. I don't get it. Um, I mean, the Parker incident last year was the turnaround because Shield was actually oh. very solid through the back half of the year. The consistency yeah. actually leveled out a lot. But yes, you're right. Like the inconsistency with both his kicking and the week-to-week performance has been an interesting um, right. spectator sport. And we know that Parrish obviously has can play forward. He played forward for most of his early career. Um, Shields played off the half-forward line. So I wonder what that split looks like. Um, is you have a decrease in CBAs? Yeah. Do they want Perkins in there more? I, dude, I love Perkins' se- like second half of that game. I thought he was fantastic. Um Super elite with his ball use. Uh, really tight. Great in tight as well. He adds that height to that midfield that the other three don't have, obviously. All three of those guys are below 183 centimetres. I wonder what they want to do with their mid-mix moving forward. I just don't know. And I don't think Parrish necessarily gets the same role. And so that's why I'm sort of like, also, mm, I don't have enough information to make an informed decision. Though, he, again, he did look... It was a Gold Coast you guys played first in that. Yeah, in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked fantastic in that game. He looked really, really good. So, yeah, there's there's a, a lot of question marks. Not saying it can't happen because and I, I know a lot of people are on in preseason. What, do you know what um, percentage of teams he's currently in? I don't have that. Uh, uh, two or three percent. I think he was. Yeah. Oh, three. He, might have, he might have dropped. He might wow. have dropped no, to two now. So, so your perception's getting warped because I think amongst like, serious super coaches especially on twitter he was popping up on a lot of teams he was in mind for a bit as well but outside yeah. of that no one had any interest yeah like i had him yeah. for a few weeks yeah yeah, yeah. and i think yeah, it's, it's all the same like we all know uh what his best scoring looks like and the talk from scott being that he's going to play the, the players in their best positions and it's like okay so paris is going to be on the ball like 80 percent of the time right <laughs> yeah right um uh, but it seems like that's probably not the case and it looks like they might be going for more of that five midfield rotation. So it'd be Parrish, Merritt, Setterfield, Cheel, and then Caldwell. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe even Perkins. They still got Hobbs to come back at some point as well. Yeah. Um, who they did want to get CBS into. So, yeah, I think that's the main concern for Parrish at this point. It looks like there may be more mids getting rotations through. He had 76% CBAs last year. And I think it's actually even more if you take out the injury effect again, I want to say. Yeah. So is it going to be that high again this year or is it going to be more like high 60s? And if it's high 60s, then maybe the scoring isn't as good as it has been in previous years. I think he's, once again, like he's quite a high range of outcomes. Like he, he could still end up 115, high 110s, but I think he could also be like close to the 110 mark and, and just not be that. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. That was a well-rounded chat about someone without making any jokes, I feel like. <laughs> Only Apart from the ones at your expense. But, you know. <laughs> You're welcome for that's, me. That's common. That's common. That's common space. Used to that. Used to that. Yeah. Um, um, Chris, your five. My five. Sorry, let me pull up my list again, guys. Five, five, five. Oh, debate. Clayton Oliver, number five, guys. Let's Ooh. go. I'm ready okay. for the Clayton Oliver chat. And before you start commenting on your YouTube channel, oh, you fucking Clayton Oliver, number five. All right, just just bear with us, all right, because. Um, JD, you've probably noticed my chat in the in the Discord that I've had mm-hmm. with quite a few members. Not necessarily slandering Clayton Oliver in terms of uh, his ability to rack up the ball or his ability as a player, but his role in the team is, has a huge, huge question mark. And we've now got four bits of information saying that Clayton Oliver is not going to have the same role that he had last year. 
So early in the preseason, um, one of the coaches came out and said, yeah, we're going to be trying, uh, rotating more guys through the, that midfield mix. Um, we realized that we uh, didn't play our best in the second part of the season. I think they were what, 10 and two and then basically trailed off. So they held that same mid rotation the whole way through. They saw what Geelong did and were like, we need to do that, which is generally what teams do. They, they look at the premier. What did Geelong do differently than everybody else? Well, they didn't fade in the finals. They actually improved. How do they do that? Oh, well, they had a large rotation of midfielders go through. All right, well, maybe that's what we need to do. We need to, you know, play our mids a little bit less. Clayton Oliver was the first by a long, uh, no, by, I think Lockheed was slightly, almost the same. He was the first, yeah, yeah, 87% CBA midfielder um, to get an average of one, I think 127. Don't quote me on that. Um, So what do we see that regression look like? Well, we've had a little bit of exposure with that. So the second piece of information is, you know, Clayton Oliver comes in last week and he plays 65% CBAs, plays a little bit off the half-back line. That, I think, is more of a trial. I don't think it's going to be something like 65%. But I do see, like, a regression to, say, maybe 70, uh, 10 to 15%. So that works out to be somewhere between 72 to 77% CBAs. What does that do to his, his scoring? What we also know is Clayton Oliver uh, averaged the most contested possessions and clearances last year. So if you take 10 to 15% of the opportunity out of that and give him, even replace those that ball that he was getting with uncontested possessions, it has to impact his average negatively. So he's not going to be that 128, 127, 128 player. It will regress somewhat. How much is that? I don't know, but I can't, I don't have the information. We also then had Christian Petraka obviously come on. He did an interview saying, yeah, I'm going to be playing a different role. Um, Oliver's going to be playing a different role. You know, we're going to be trying different things, blah, blah, blah. So it's not just like we saw one um, match have to make all of our decisions on that. There's, they've literally been talking about this the entire preseason. Um, I do still think that he's going to be, you know, somewhere between 115 to 120 in terms of average. Don't know where he ends with that. That will be based on his role. And I still think he's, you know, not a bad option considering you're still going to get a really good average out of him. But I don't expect that uber premium result out of him, that 120 plus. I don't expect that from him based on his average currently. Oh, some people so overreact as well. I mean, there's a little what, speed bump or let's call it a pothole. Some people see a little <laughs> pothole in the road and Chris is veering off at 120 k's an hour sideways at 90 degrees. I mean, there's um, also his 700k price tag, but you know, let's no, the that. price the price tag is definitely an issue. We're talking about average here, right? That's a different thing. Don't talk strategy and prices for a salary format in an overall argument. Hey, hey, hey. Right, you're be- hey, you're hey, better hey, than that. I've Chris. listened to you boys for a while. Chris will do anything to win an argument, all right? There's nothing <laughs> off limits. That I is object. <laughs> Why? Very devastating in my case. Good call. Even if, even if he has to talk over you or throw slander or anything he can do. Um, uh, okay, great. so now some people might veer off the road 120 k's now, like Chris, but I don't need to worry because also I have run flats. Clurry going over, changing roles slightly, it's going to do nothing. He can go I've straight over that pothole. Flats. He can go straight over that pothole and just fix himself just fine. So I do see a slight regression a little bit. However, wherever you put Clurry, I think he will still score well. Salary format is definitely an issue. The same coach that. Um, Petrarca and other people were, were um, quoting the midfield coach did say in theory, that is what they were trying to do to avoid burnout or because they felt they didn't have the energy to continue out the season last year. Right now it's all speculative. So if they start off the season and things aren't going well, then that midfield coach is automatically under pressure 
to keep his job or to actually fix it. And the easiest thing that you could fix is throw Clurry straight on that ball full time. And when Salem's back in, I don't think you put him in the back line anyway. You're not going to be resting your best player on the bench. So my theory is that it's well and true good in hindsight and in theory to put some measures in place. But when push comes to shove and when the season's actually going, I still think Clayton will still get a good enough chunk or do well in other areas because the quality players, they score regardless. Well, I just thought I'd let you know that run flats only actually get you an extra 80 kilometers, bro. So maybe you need to rethink that analogy, but you know, good for you. Good for you. Uh, Chris Uh, is used to carrying around a tire. Sorry, JD. (laughs) So, uh, sorry, where did you have him ranked? (laughs) I have him fifth. I have him, uh, yeah. I have him. I I got got that crisp. Uh, I was at Ben. Sorry, number two. I got him second, second overall. Second overall. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's not all about you. We've got main character (laughs) syndrome over there. Um, I have him at number three as well. Um, So I also have him regressing a little bit. I'm like, not that worried about the hand. I'm not that worried about the role stuff. But the reality is, uh, like, he had 86% CPAs, and I do think it's probably in their best interest that they put more people through there. The hands may come into play a little bit. I like. I don't think any of this stuff's too concerning. I still think he's very good in terms of average. He's been top three the last three years. He's still, like, 25, 26. So you're not seeing any fall off from that. And to be honest, I don't see that many guys going into the 120s this year. And I think regardless of whether his role gets played around a little bit, I find it really hard to see him going out of the 120 range into the 110s. So he just seems like really safe for me over the others. I'm actually curious, Chris, to like hear four names that you think outdo Oliver this year, because while I have him going backwards, and I definitely don't think he's a good start in, well, actually I don't think any 700k guys are a good start in the, in the classic format. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised to have that many guys ahead of him. I'm Fair trying enough. to think of who that four is as well. I've got three people that are in that sort of top four. Well, range, I've already, but... I already, I've already given you the fourth, which was Lockie Neal. So, oh, okay, um, right. So that makes sense. That's reasonable. I guess that's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. going to say, Jesus. I, I, on my list, I have Lockie Neal averaging one point per game more. So it's not like it's a big chunk. So, yeah. Okay, and we've already had JD. I think we've had your fourth as well, have we? So I think we kind of no. are we up to threes. No, no, we haven't had my fourth, but my right. fourth is the one that I actually wouldn't have here um this is probably a little, little legacy it's like took miller is it four but i don't think he's gonna be top four and to be honest i could see myself moving him closer towards eight at the moment uh a little bit worried about him coming off the hamstring but the thing that i'm even more worried about than that is alex davies playing um so do either of you have miller on your list before we yeah i have him at three so Keep going and then I'll tell you. Yeah, I have him at three as well. Davies Davies did great while the gun was having a rest. Okay. uh, So do you know he splits with and without um, Alex Davies? So 117 with, 128 without. That was 15 games with him, seven games without him. So I'm a little bit worried about them bringing in Davies and um, deepening their midfield rotations because that's where Davies plays. That has a little bit of a knock on Miller. And so you see some scoring kind of go backwards as a result of Davies playing I'll tell you where I do agree before Chris talks about his I, I am also worried about Tuke apart from I like his you know generally the stamina and the injury does concern me a little bit I'm also worried about the improvement of Raul and Anderson as well mm-hmm. now Tuke's lucky that he can still win the ball inside and outside but mm-hmm. uh, Raul and Anderson could be a very 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 formidable duo where if he's winning the clearance, it's like, well, wonderful. Tuke, you just run next to me while, you know, Raul's getting the clearance. Or when you get to the outside, it's like they're both there, but then Anderson's on the opposite side, also running past for a receive or whatever it might be. So I am concerned with the improve of youth. 
I do really rate Davies as a player, though. Um, I wasn't aware of those splits specifically, but Gold Coast were wrapped. They picked him up in a pre-draft selection. They could choose someone before the draft even went through an academy player, and apparently he was just an absolute standout where they didn't even have to pay anything for him. They got him for free before the draft, which... Yeah, so you can't actually attribute a draft number to him, which is why I think people it slides under the radar or people don't give him as much credit as they should. But I believe, right, that he was a pre-draft selection and was highly rated as far as in the academy. Fair enough. Um, so, no, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you know, yeah, go on, why? I also, I also feel like JD, JD's Googling my, um, and checking my credentials on this. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I haven't checked. I've totally believed your Alex Davies story. Should I search this up? No, as in I, I legitimately, I was like, I swear, like I read that no, just no, like last week because I was no, looking at him for a keeper league. So I was like, I haven't hey. actually, I haven't heard of that, but I'll say that that's not saying. Um, so, <laughs> So the thing is with Gold Coast, and I think this is probably proven more with them specifically than any other team, is that they have traditionally run just those three midfielders as their primary midfielders more than any other team in the competition. So last year, Tuke Miller had 80% CBAs overall for the year, Matt Rowell 81, and Noah Anderson 72, with Swallow being 39%. So they're, they're, they're very much three midfielders and then you know, a bit part rotation. Um, Alex Davies ended up having 23%. I don't see them reducing those numbers for those other top three at all. Um, potentially even Noah Anderson might get more CBAs is, is the only thing I can see there. I think the ones that come out to accommodate for um, guys like Alex Davies, so Braden Fiorini had 23% last year. Um, Davies did have 23%. So if he's getting more, it's at the expense of guys like Fiorini, um, guys Swallow. like Swallow, not yeah. of Tuke. And so... That might be a little bit of a false economy because there were games where where Tuke CBAs actually did drop when they had Davies in there. I think overall over the season that's not necessarily going to be the case. So that the stat does exist. Obviously, I'm not saying that the do- it doesn't exist, but I don't think that it's going to um, be the same this year based on a different midfield split because the CBA rotations will change slightly. Um, are you saying it's it's are you saying it's a false correlation, Chris, or like a false positive, it, or it's, a? It's not based on last season. I'm just saying that the, it will be a different mid, mid setup this year. So Fiorini's obviously just they've just decided he's not in the best twenty two, like straight up. I and no one wanted him either, did they? They were trying to move him on. Collingwood and a few rumors didn't uh, happen. Yeah, they, well, yeah, it was a late late cut. I actually would have loved Fiorini at the Pies, to be completely honest. But the, Fiorini was our backup for Tom Mitchell, so mm-hmm. we got Tom Mitchell, and then. Yeah, that sort of fell through. Better than Warple. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't he? He was a backup for the uh, Richmond guys, wasn't he, or something? Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, Flanders got 18%. I don't think that that is going to happen. Um, so in the preseason game, Flanders got 18%. So I don't think that that is necessarily going to happen. But yeah, in the um, Davies got 59% in the same game. Um, I, obviously, I can't see him getting anywhere near that. Um, and then obviously, Rao 76%. And where was Anderson's... Uh, Anderson. Why can't I see? Rouse 76, Swallow 62, Davies 59, Anderson 47, Fiorini 29, yeah. so, Landers yeah. 18, Hollands 9. Yeah, so not not a reflection of exactly how their, their mid-split is going to be this season, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I, I can't see them running away from you know Noah Anderson in the centre bounce. 
um, which would mean that someone's going to have to make way because I do think that Alex Davies is the best 22 player and you are wasting him if you're not using him in that rotation. I actually have the opinion that they do need to have more guys running through there. That could be something, but so far they haven't shown the propensity to do that. So I'm not sure I think how they, that... They were the only team that had two players who have 80% CBAs last yeah. year. Exactly, yeah. And yeah, easy oh, and, to match know, up on too. They're still going to roll through with Wits as a number one ruck. They're not going to run a two ruck system. So they're, you know, they're sort of going against the grain to what teams are doing, which is you know more guys through there, more midfielders. You know, um, they're trying to get say a Flanders who's not necessarily a CBA mid to be that extra around the stoppage. Mm-hmm. Last year they tried with Rankin as the extra around the stoppage in, in sections of the year. Um, so that's how they're sort of offering that. That they're still maintaining their three mix. And then guys that come in around that, are, are, you know, coming up from the half four line or into the wing and the extra stoppage. So, um, yeah, it's just a little bit different for me. I, d- I just don't necessarily agree. Um, but, yeah, I still have him averaging similar numbers to last season. I really like him as a pick and I've, I've really toyed with the idea, but obviously the hamstring. I had him in my team before the hamstring and then I've just sort of really cooled on it because I don't know what his initial output's going to be like. So, yeah. Nice yeah, of you I to mean, use our spreadsheet there, JD. Uh, no, I've got my own. Um, That's that a I joke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, right, have you got the same stat in there, do you? Oh, yeah, no, as in just, yeah. How good are like CBAs and all just all stats in general? Great, in general. love them, love them. Um, so I, I just, Chris, like, so just to press on this point a little bit more, I'm, I'm a little bit confused after hearing you talk about Miller, like why you have him ahead of Oliver. So like Miller won 20 last year, Oliver won, won 27. Like where, where are they ending up in averages this year that you have? Uh, because I don't think Took's role changes at all. So I don't see there's a reason or um, need to change his role in the midfield oh. at all. So you think he goes 80% CBAs again, yes. coming off the hamstring doesn't bother you. You don't think he gets eased in. There's no smaller no, games. Um, there's no re-injury so- risk. Nah, not really. I will, obviously, like, there's always a re injury. Yes, with, yes, definitely. The yes. most likely time to re injure a hamstring is right after of you've course. done a hamstring. Yep. Right. Sure. Um, is, that, is that Jake Stringer talking? Having said, <laughs> having said that, medical journals, but I mean, Stringer's a great case study. Um, <laughs> so, we, I have an inside source a player at the actual club who, uh-huh. who has oh. verified. <laughs> verified a, it also could be a friend of a brother, of a, of a sister, or a cousin's friend. Yeah. But, you know, um, so. Uh, Pre the injury, um, Took was absolutely killing everyone on the track um, in terms of uh, time trials, fitness, ability, everything. Like he was their plan going into the season. So that may have slightly changed, obviously, with the hamstring. But yeah, their just plan was physios off the track. <laughs> their, their, their plan was no, this guy's going to be our number one midfielder again um, because he was absolutely destroying everybody else. So, um, yeah, that was not a question to me at all. It's just now, yes, that may have delayed you know the plan may have delayed a couple of weeks for whatever reason just because of his injury and they might try and ease him back in but that is the only question mark not necessarily his role unless they completely throw that whole thing out the window that they had planned for the season because of his hamstring so well an injury concern can do that have you never heard of variable change chris where they have a plan and then an injury happens and then maybe they have to actually change they're not going to play and they're still going to make all of the start off half back like yeah, correct. <laughs> yes, and this That's is where Chris's no, but he plays into play. Don't, he play. They play the dogs in round one. He, he, like he's what went ninety six and one hundred and twelve his last two games. I'm really worried. 
<laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a moment silence for Chris's poor judgment. Um, I think we're kind of down to the final two, are we? Is there a snu- is there a oh, sneaky in there? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, no, Oliver was my third. Yep, we yep, yeah. So we're down. We're pretty much down to then, I believe, Laird and uh, Bontempelli, which I think is really high on all of our lists. Funnily enough, and probably one of the only yeah. midfielders I think that we're all actually expecting to rise up from that sort of top eight or you know bracket up into that real top echelons of going close to 120. So now the big question is, is JD, I'll get you to go your one and two, just because we are at that point in time. And I'm not sure if we're going to get any surprises as to a number one, but what have you got? Marcus. Oh, you got Marcus, Marcus as the one? You got him, you got him number yes, one. I've got okay. Number one. This is my um, heart overhead decision. Marcus is going to, I'll try and back it with some stats. But, I thought yeah, he was going to say Dunkley, but I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would be. If we had Dunkley's option, he'd be in there. Um, I've got Dunkley one, Marcus two, and then, then uh, Laird three. Uh, yeah, I, who doesn't love Marcus, firstly? Who doesn't want super, to see him succeed? Super coach loves Marcus. Supercoach does love Mike because I have confirmed that at the Champion Data headquarters they do have a plus 10 button for Bond and they've installed a new one this year for Goulden next to him. So yep. expect to see some funky scores. And there's a shrine of Bontepelli on one wall and then another for Goulden on the other. Just <laughs> absolutely that. living large. No, yeah. so speak, speaking of um, mids that didn't have many CBAs last year but still scored well, Bont is the other one. He had 58% CBAs last year and – uh, he's kind of had the opposite preseason talk to Oliver, especially in the last week. But now with the added um, forwards that they have there, lob and whatnot, a bit of a help forward line they've got youngsters coming through as well. He's not going to be needed there as much. He can just be unleashed in the midfield, and that makes a lot of sense with Dunkley going. Um, so I see Bont getting more time on ball in the midfield and just absolutely racking it up this year uh, in terms of scoring and output. And I'm just on board for that adventure. I think um, yeah. not not picking him is a huge risk. Like, I see teams going without Bond, and I just go, "But why? But why? Like, what what possible reason do you have? Because it's not like it's not a neg- It's a huge negative pod. Like, it's a big, big risk. I, I feel like they're people that haven't been playing Supercoach that long, and have never had to be on the outside looking in, watching and watching Bond play. Yeah, yeah. Watch, I don't yeah. think he's. I don't think his ownership's that high either. Like, is it thirties or so? Like, I don't think it's crazy well, high where you're like, you feel like you have to have to, which is why maybe there is some conjecture or why people are maybe passing on him. Um, I honestly don't remember the last time I looked at a team from like the fantasy tech team. He came in, didn't have him. I think he's been like in all our sides since day I one. I think I had him, and then if I was going for three, I was fading. Um, but again, I, I still really rate him. And, uh, you know, why would you not pick someone who is probably going up in average and particularly that? But now the stats that I did look at early in the preseason. Okay, so not that 32. high. Yep. That's super, that's super <laughs> low. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I also like to give facts out two seconds after someone else. I mean, um, yeah, like Oliver's at 41% for reference and yeah. Tom keeps dropping. I like it. 33%. With yep. every AFL.com article, Oliver drops another 3%, I see. Yes, pretty much is exactly <laughs> what's happening. Um, now, Bontempelli, when he did have those high higher CBA games, we had a look. Pretty much it was more of a uh, like CBA and then it was like a um, like a scatter graph. And pretty much when he hit over that percentage mark, his his baseline scores actually improved five to ten 
points. That's his base, which means when he had some of those lower games, you saw that a little bit of, yeah, still a high ceiling, still scored really well, but there was just a little bit more fluctuation from high to low. Whereas what we saw is when he did have the high amount of CBAs, that low disappeared. That low Dropped actually then, cycles. yeah, okay. so that, that made his base instead of, you know, that actually made his base more like your 9,500 at worst, which yep. is, and then the high ceiling still there. You still go on the 140s, 150s which is where I do see his average falling into that 120 bracket because, or getting close to, just because that base will improve. His ceiling's still going to be there. He's still very impactful and he'll still go forward and kick goals and the rest of it when he pushes forward. So like from stoppages. So that just makes it a no brainer. Yeah. Improve your floor and have a good ceiling. And I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. No brainer. I mean, my he's number question, two for me though. Number two for me though. Sorry. My, my only question is like how, by how no, far? Number three. I guess is, is probably the thing. I actually have him at two. Um, I've got him at four. Sorry, boys. You've got Bont at four. Yeah, so I had Laird Clary took ahead of him and then Bont at four, averaging 120. Suspect. Um, so, yeah, the, I suppose, again, with Magneto, um, pointed again, um, <laughs> it's like how much does he get there? Because obviously 58% last year, it, it, he, doesn't, he hasn't shown so far this season that he's willing to play anyone more than 60% um, outside of, uh, Libba got what sixty? What did he get? Sixty. Uh, McRae had sixty-four percent last year, and then Libba was at sixty percent. Yeah, but it, in the in the preseason game oh. this year, uh, let's have a look here. Just because that's a representative sample of CBAs. For the I game. know, I know, but yeah, given that they were all there, you sort of do get a little bit of an idea. So he had uh, Libba had sixty-nine, Bont had sixty-four. So there's a six percent increase right there. Um, Smith had sixty-two, McRae had fifty-nine, and then Trelaw had forty-six. With, uh, yep, no, that's it in terms of um, well, what happens the, with Trelaw across the course of the year is going to be interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, and you know, is he played off half back when he's not in there? Is he played off the half forward line? Do we see some DPP action from Trelaw, which I do think we will? Is his scoring going to go up enough to warrant a selection in those lines? I, I actually don't. Um, obviously, his injury history is well schooled, but um, could be a decent pick later in the year. Um, yeah, so I, look. Is five percent enough to go to? I've actually got him pegged at one twenty-five. That's where I think that he could get to. Um, so that mid one twenty bracket at being you know the number two or or potentially even number one at that price. I think we had McRae when he was number one midfielder with one hundred twenty-three or something similar. So you know it's still low one twenties could be a number one. Um, yeah, if it's more like ten percent uptick that he gets, ten to twelve percent, and he's getting close to seventy percent CBAs. I think he's an absolute clear number one. I just don't know if he can get up to that level. But it'll be interesting because, like you said, that forward line, it's already stacked. He did mention that they can essentially run four tall forwards if they really want to in the forward line. Why? Like, why do you need to? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think it was three on one on the bench and then rotating that way. So still yeah. like four players. Keeping your height. I think three yeah. on. Um, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he was number one either, JD. Yeah. Uh, I think he had like a sore adductor, right, last year as well, which I think yes. held him back a little bit of time. So he yep. hopefully is injury-free. He's also at the age where he's uh, 27 turning 28. So this is really like peak of your powers type age. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I am I'm I think this is the best possible situation for Bond that isn't required up forward. The other highest, well, one of the highest CBA mids is gone. Um, injury free, so yeah, yep. I'm I'm super duper high, and maybe this is just because I'm so high on him as a pick that I've gone with number one rather than me seeing logically like Laird probably won't 
go backwards that much and Marcus going up 15 points in here is probably not realistic, but I'm going to put him in there anyway. Let's reach for the stars. But if you're backing like him as your captain with like a Dunkley stars. VC or vice versa, then yeah, you'd be backing them in and both I think should do really well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And again, we look at him <clears throat> as one of the best players in the competition. Yeah. And now the, the, now the scene is set up to actually let him be the number one player in the competition. And I don't think it would shock anyone if he just tore it apart and yeah. Oh, one final set maybe in wins last year, 124 and losses 106. Do you have the dogs doing better this year in terms of win loss? I do. I think they're a much more, much stronger team or across the park. Um, def- defense looks to have steadied up. Um, they, I mean, it'd be nice if they got Gardner back because he was actually very serviceable. Liam Jones, though, seems to have just slotted right in there. I don't know how that's going to pan out long-term. Um, Darcy is an absolute elite marker of the football, and I wonder what he can bring to that forward line if they play in there. That's, I, was, I was more leaning towards them playing him at centre-half back because I thought that his skill set was probably more utilised there. Um, and then I was like, well, if they play him forward, why not move Norton back to centre-half back? But it doesn't seem like they're going to play that. They're going to go... They're two really strong marking marking tools in the forward line. Bold, yeah, see, bold, bold, but it could really pay off. I'm going to say that if he's playing midfield, it's kind of um, redundant, that stat, or a bit irrelevant because, you know, um, so Jack McRae last year averaged three and a, 3.1 points more in losses than wins at a 117.4. So as a forward, a midfielder that rests forward. I mean, Petrarca, I think, had a 36-point variance where he averaged 36 points loss, uh, less in losses compared to wins because when you're losing, the ball's not going to be anywhere near the forward line as much and you're not going to be getting the score assist and all of the other points that go with scoring. So uh, if he's not playing forward, then I don't really see that being an issue as much because he's still going to yeah. be around the CBAs yeah, or if yeah. there's a ball, once there's a, you know, a bounce, he's in that mix to get the clearance and get those points instead of waiting in the forward line for a ball that never comes. I mean, I mean, if they, if they have a potent forward line and he does float forward times, it's going to oh, be you know so like good. some mismatch. of the best mismatches you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's be imagine that like fun. going fourth tall or something, rather just yeah, looking yeah, at him yeah. and yes. you're like some young player or something first year, and you're like, "Hi, can I get your autograph?" Like, he's, holy he's crap! He's playing on Lockie like Wilde out of the golf yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, it's a shame um, that he can't play with dogs because that's probably where he gets like the Caleb Daniels yeah. mismatch. <laughs> <laughs> he would. I was, was going to make that joke, but then I realized I couldn't. I'm glad you did. Yeah, yeah, Wasn't yeah. there one like Mason Cox or something on, on him? It was so funny. Yeah, and he probably <laughs> split it, to be fair. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was probably a rut contest. <laughs> uh, 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 so, um, and the, I mean, look, I know that Bevo doesn't care about individual awards, but you got to say that he's probably, in the games that he's going to play midfield, he's going to get a lot of Brownlow votes. Now, he's going to be a favorite for the Brownlow betting pretty much most of the year. If your captain of the club comes to you and says, hey, I might be a smoky here for the Brownlow. Maybe we need to play me more in the midfield at some stage. I don't think Bevo's going to care, but that could be a serious consideration. So, I don't know. Uh, one, one last Marcus Bonham really fun fact. He's in rare air of players that took um, kick-ins and attended rock contests last year. Wow. Cool. Who was the other one? I actually would have to go back and check. I'm sure there's one other, but I just can't think of who it is at the moment. It's, so it's, a, it's a very Bond- weird group of like, yeah, attending. But, 
like Tom Green maybe had one. Bro, I don't think Green had any kick-ins, and I don't think Cripps <laughs> had a kick-in either. So it wasn't another mid. I, anyway, leave it with me. I'll see if I can find it. Who it was. Uh, that's fine. That's that's oh, cool. Maybe Blitzer like would be the obvious one. Oh, yeah, Caleb yeah. Daniel probably had kick-outs and a ruck contest. <laughs> well, <laughs> Blitz didn't have any kick-ins last year. So anyway, leave it with me. I'll figure out who it was. Caleb Daniel. Um, so I suppose the last one that we all have, um, which I have at one, is Laird. Um, so, JD, you've got him just, uh, what, Second. basically yeah. around so, that mark. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, obviously, just don't see a, a reason or a role change or anything like that. He's still going to nope. pad it up. Laird's going to keep doing Laird things. There's no reason for him to get tagged. Uh, I don't really see anyone pushing around the midfield. You will get some progression of guys like Barry and that. But, yeah, I mean... Laird should just keep carrying on. And obviously he had a slow start last year as well. He missed the first couple of games and then had a 93 on return. And then after that point was basically untouchable for the rest of the year. So look, there's no reason why he can't go back to back and go around the 125 to 130 mark. And I totally understand why a lot of people are choosing him over Oliver at the moment, despite Oliver's decorated history. Well, I think that the one thing to support it as well, we've Oliver with the you know, change of role and the rest of it that's spoken about, whereas Adelaide have actually gone out of their way to publicly, you know, talk about sending others out of the midfield mix, you know, keys playing more forward and then going, Oh, like, you know, maybe like Rochelle or Sloan's not um, playing midfield. Yeah. Game. He's not playing either. So, and then you, you know, like ranking, et cetera. But breaks more... his leg. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, sample's really upset. Um, the, <laughs> But, the, you know, even those other fringe players might come in and do little bit parts of it, but the bulk of it is still going to be Laird and Berry. And especially when they are your two biggest tacklers or two in the in the competition even, yeah. you know, it they're quite happy to go, well, if we're not going to win this clearance, you aren't either. And then we'll just go again and then we'll beat you the second time. So I really quite rate um, them for it. And I think just that stability in his role is why I'm happy to pay up. And I, I don't like paying up expensive prices for everyone. But at the end of the day, I'm like, this is someone that I want. This is someone who I'm going to use as a VC or C. So I'm okay with paying overs um, for a few people. And it's more of a fact that I know I want him. And am I going to, do I want to pay over 600000 to get him later? Or do I just want to start him and then look for value elsewhere? So that's where my team kind of comes in. Whereas I was very fixed with Clary and I was talking to a few people yesterday. I'm like, am I just being stubborn? And then the article came out and I was like, I, I, I can't start him now. And then mm. part of me is thinking, oh, you can be stubborn. But I'm like, well, when they already come out saying his, his role changed. Well, they're saying his role's changing. You then see the role change. And then they come out again the week before with the midfield coach saying his role's changing. And I'm like, three times are lucky. I should probably start listening. And that's where you talk about taking the ego out because sometimes you get very stubborn and um, you know, not listen to the stats and everything. And I, I do want Clary. So I'll just deal without him for six weeks or whatever and then get him later. So, but yeah, led a good deal. I like me. it. Anything else to add? I suppose at this point we probably go through our um our ten. Um, JD, do you want to lead it off with your ten in total, starting at number one, buddy? Uh, starting from one. Okay, so Bont, Laird, Oliver, Miller, McRae, Steele, Neil, Merritt, Brayshaw, and then Josh Kelly. Excellent. I have uh, Laird, Bont, Took, Neil, Oliver, Kelly, Green. McRae, Brayshaw, and Steele rounding out my top 10. And I have Laird, Clary, Took, Bont, Neil, Parish, Mills, McRae, Zerrett, and Jelly, Jelly, Jelly to round out the 10. We don't have Swiss's top 10 because, um, let's face it, we've got the best three minds right here. So, <laughs> I, if, 
who's at 11 instead of curiosity i want any discussions from the hill i had crips um who did i have at 11 i think i had steel at 11 and then i had um bracer at 12. okay yeah i had crips at 11 too oh. yeah yeah i just unfortunately just with that when it's a loaded midfield his scoring drops off that's it that's the only reason if they have less numbers rotating through that midfield then that's fine but with obviously yeah it was what with chera kennedy Cripps, Walsh, and Hewitt all in the same midfield. Cripps' numbers just tanked and they died hard. So, um, yeah, not interested. Um, best case scenario is you've got to hope for Carlton injuries, which is probably likely to happen, to be fair. <laughs> and he's one of the ones at risk. Is the only problem. <laughs> exactly right, yeah. Um, awesome. Fantastic pod, guys. I had an absolute ball, so thank you very much to JD. And yes. Ben, we, maybe. we recovered ourselves well. That first few minutes is a highlight for sure. <laughs> when we I talked about Cedarfield, we... was that the, the, the highlight? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Chris. No, but just absolutely losing the plot and then regaining composure to kind of keep going. Sometimes I think, you know, we don't really cut or try and edit anything. So I was like, oh, let's just keep it rolling. Who cares? It's all there. Roll the tape. Yeah. yeah roll editing's, the tape. Let's editing's don't... far too hard for content that's going to be outdated in two weeks. So just upload <laughs> yeah. away we go. See you later. Agreed. Agreed. Outdated in two days. Even sometimes you do a pod and then you're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And next minute someone breaks their leg. I'm like, fuck, I just spent 20 minutes talking about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and an hour and a half editing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have that pleasure, do you, Chris? And like, I love the fake confidence I get like a week out from the crisis, like teams locked in, it's not moving. And then like three days later, it's completely different. I've gone through the instruction, like, whoops. <laughs> Rat R2 is a thing. Just, just trust it now. It wasn't oh. a thing last weekend, but this weekend it is. And the more you yeah. speak, Chris, the more we go downhill. Um, that's it. We're going to wrap it up from here. JD, lovely to have you as well. Thanks for having me, um, Let's keep, keep, keep these traditions alive, I think. We just, um, each year, I think we just buy in and um, chip away. But we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, JD. Thank you, Chris. And let us know who you're liking. Who is in that top 10 that you really rate? Um, do you have Josh Kelly? Do you hate our top 10s? Do you hate Parrish? Let us no, and Bontempelli, number one, who agrees with number one or number two. And that's it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. Bye.